John 15. John 15. I want to tell you something, and I almost didn't get this. I almost didn't want to talk about it because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, of course. I like people. I want people to like me for the most part. You can't do that, though, if you're going to be a Christian because most people are not going to like you. Yeah. If, if, I'm talking about in the world, at least, right? Amen? I want to talk to you about the church seeking, if we're not careful, pity instead of power. And I, I mean, in, in a big way, if we're not careful, what we've done is, I can tell you that, you know, having been a pastor, I guess, I don't, really, I don't keep up with numbers, folks. Numbers don't matter to me. I'm just in this to help. I want to do what the Lord called me to do. So I don't, write about, I don't write all this stuff down, but probably 10 years, 12 years, something like that. And one thing I can tell you for sure is most of the calls that you get, not in this church, but we get calls from people that just know me from my time living here and whatnot. Most of the ones you get are people that want pity. And I don't want to, I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but I want to tell you to be careful of this. Because what they want is they want a preacher to come out and visit. And they want him to just sit there and just listen. And they want to tell everything that's wrong. And then they want you to say some little token prayer and leave. And they're happy with that. They're happy with that. And then you got the other ones that they get sick and you don't go visit and they get very offended. They get very offended, and it's not, they, they don't get offended because you didn't come by and lay hands on them and get them healed. They get offended because you don't just come sit there and let them talk to you for two hours. And I'm being real honest this morning, okay? I'm being really honest. This is the truth. And this is the prevalent thing that I have found in church, no matter what denomination or no denomination today, is that people have been religiously indoctrinated not to look for results, but just to look for pity in the church. If the preacher comes by and he's, oh, I really hate this, you know, oh, I'm going to sit right here with you, I'm going to hold your hand, you know, that's what they're looking for. And I want you to know, you, you'll be hard-pressed to find one time Jesus did that. I want you to know that people want you to do their funerals and their weddings, and Jesus didn't either. Come on, let me say that again. I want to make sure I say that again, because the main thing so many people look for is a pastor that can really do a tremendous funeral and put that loved one in the ground and lay it on thick. Jesus did not ever once do that. Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. And I'm not, he wasn't being rude. It's just that that is set now. There's no work left to do there. And you know what Jesus would say, honestly, and I, I think he'd make their heads spin around. He'd say, I'm into life. My ministry is life. My ministry is about life. If they knew me, they'll rise again. So that's good. It's done. We can't, th th there's nothing else to do there. Let's go get somebody healed. Let's go preach the gospel so somebody can get eternal life. Let's be into life. Jesus didn't do weddings, folks. He went to a wedding. You know what Jesus did at weddings? Miracles! The one wedding you got a record of, Jesus didn't do a beautiful wedding and get everything just right and make sure he said the bride's funky middle name just perfectly and everything. 
I'm not against these things. Don't, don't hear me wrong. But the things that the church, the people are looking at their leaders for is nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ or the gospel of the kingdom. It's all to do with what the world says the church ought to be. Well, you know, that pastor didn't even wear a suit to that wedding. I can't believe that. Can't believe the choice of tie. He stumbled through the whole thing, act like he hadn't even rehearsed it. Right? No, he was out all night praying with somebody. He had to choose one, so he chose the life. Right? This is what Jesus said. If you abide in me, in my words, abide, my words, not the words of the world, folks. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done. Now, I want to say, though, this has been largely twisted. It's been largely twisted because primarily what he's talking about I mean, like 99.9% .9 of what he's talking about right there is spiritual things, not material things. And most Christians are looking for material answers to a spiritual problem, right? If I just had more money. Hmm? And I know I can hear it now. Well, Jesus talked more about money than any other thing. I don't know how people think that's true. Jesus talked more about faith and love and honoring his father more than any other thing. I don't know. I hear people say, Jesus talked about money in the Bible more than almost any other thing. I don't see that. I don't see that. I know you need it. Guess what? Your father knows you need it. Congratulations. You have a good father. He knows you need it. Let's be done, right? Amen. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire. You'll ask. You will ask. And here's the cool part. It shall be done for you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It shall be done for you. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you're going to ask and it shall be done. It shall be done for you. It shall be done for you. Now, this is the even bigger part. You ready for the even bigger part? Here it is. It shall be done for you because by this my Father's glorified. He's glorified when you ask and He comes through. Where's the church that's just wanting you to just hold their hand? They don't want anything from God. They just want they, pity. Well, you know, the pre I was so happy the preacher came by today. He stayed for about two hours, talked, and... And we talked about this and talked about that. And he held my hand. He prayed before he left. And Are you still sick? Still demon-possessed? Still addicted? Yeah, but it was just such a good thing. I'm just so glad the preacher came by today to visit. That, that, that's not what this says, though, is it? This does not say anything like that, does it? No. It says, if you abide in me, my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you, because in this way my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. 
and this will prove you're my disciples. When the Father answers your prayer, it proves you're a disciple. They're looking at pastors wanting pity. They're not wanting answers. They don't realize that doesn't prove anything and it doesn't glorify God. Are you reading what I'm reading? By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. How's he talking about bear fruit? You understand what bearing fruit is? What you ask for, he gives. That's bearing fruit. That's why I said it's a spiritual thing. And that's why he says, if you abide in me, my word abides in you. He's not talking about that you get your new Rolex. He's not talking about you get your new car. I'm not saying God don't want you to have it. Do what you want to do. Seek first his kingdom, though. Right? What he's talking about is spiritual things. Spiritual things. Right? If you abide in me, my word abides in you. You will ask what you desire spiritually. You'll ask of the Father. And because you're the Son, He will do it. And because He does it, it'll prove you're His disciple. Because when He does it, you bear much fruit. What kind of fruit's the Father looking for? People that are asking and receiving. Do you understand what the church should look like? The church should look so different. Nobody should be asking the church to come. And that's my word to say that they're mostly looking for pity instead of power. But they are. Right? And I'm not saying, don't, don't hear me understand that God doesn't pity people. I believe he does. He's just not moved by it. God is not moved by pity. He's moved by faith. And I'm going to prove it to you in just a minute. If you want pity, I will tell you this. God will give you pity. He will pity you just like you pity yourself, but he'll leave you in your pity. He will because it doesn't move him. There's a law. What moves him is abiding in him and his word abiding in you and then asking with expectation of his power to glorify him. It says it right there. That's what works. That's what works. Is it clear? By this my father's glorified. By what? That you ask and you receive. You know what glorifies him? That the world sees the man or the woman that walks with God have a challenge spiritually. And when they ask the Father, he comes through. That glorifies him. And it proves they're his disciple. Because he answers their prayer. To all these churches and all these people that are just seeking pity and somebody to hold their hand and a prayer to no effect... They're missing the whole purpose of being a part of the church of Jesus Christ. Now, will you turn back to John 11? John 11. You ready? 11.1? Now, a certain man was sick. Lazarus of Bethany. And that's the town of Mary and her sister Martha. You reading this? Verse 2. And it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. It was her brother and Martha's brother who was sick. His name is Lazarus. You're familiar with this? You remember she anointed his feet and everything and 
Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a beautiful thing? Can you imagine a greater thing? There is one. We're about to read about it. <laughs> okay. So, verse 3 there. Therefore, these sisters, Martha and Mary, sent to Jesus saying, Lord, behold, he, him whom you love, that's Lazarus, is sick, right? You there? Look at what Jesus said in verse 4. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Now, this is what religion tells you. Because religion teaches that Jesus' ministry is exclusive, that he's God, they say, oh, well, Jesus being God said, well, I'm not going to let him die, so this, this sickness is not unto death, right? And that's what most people believe. Quite honestly, what most people believe. Let me tell you what the truth is. Jesus is practicing what we just read in John 15, 7. See, because, because Jesus doesn't just teach a word, he lived it. He lived it. So I'm going to switch over right quick, and I want to show you this before we go any further. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. By the, now, see, so Jesus takes what works for him, not as an exclusive minister, but as someone who ministers by the anointing of the Holy Spirit that represents the body of Christ, right? And he takes what he worked in and extrapolates it to you in John 15. And this is what he says. You with me? If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified. Now, let me read what he said. This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. By this, my Father will be glorified. By this, my Father is glorified. What's Jesus saying? I'm going to ask for him to be raised. And it's going to glorify the Father. Because the Father always answers my prayer because I abide in him and his word abides in me. Do you hear me? So it's interesting. He proved it out before he preached it. He's been proving it out for, for a while. But look at it. He says, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that, and that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister. I mean, and her sister and Lazarus. Let me stop you right there. You're reading verse 5, Jesus loved Martha. Did you notice something? Did you notice something? Who anointed him? Him, his feet with oil with their very hair got down on their knees and rubbed his feet and everything with their hair who but who's named in this verse Jesus loved and Mary didn't even get named and her sister you see what happens in the world come on religious church you see what happens people have paid much more attention to Mary because she did a physical act. You with me? The church has given way more attention to Mary because she got down, took her hair, and rubbed his feet and everything. Okay, that's great, you know. But Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. You with me? 
I want to make that point before we go any further. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two more days, right? Then after he said to the disciples, after that, he said, let's go to Judea again. Now, he had almost been killed in Judea, so they didn't like the idea. So we can skip that. You understand that point though, right? His disciples are kind of like, hey, I don't know if you realize this, they tried to kill you last time we were there. And really, not only you, but they'd like to kill us too. <laughs> so, you know, if it's all right with you, we'd kind of like to hang around here and not over, you know, in that Bethany area where they're trying to kill us all. Right? Amen. And, of course, Jesus says, are there not 12 hours in the day? <laughs> and, you know, if you're not thinking spiritual, you're going, what the heck does that have to do with it? Of course, there are 12 hours in a the day. they still going to try to kill us. But Jesus, again, is laying down this principle, hey, quit looking in the natural. What I'm saying is, if you walk in the light, you're not going to have a problem. See, he's likening the son as walking in the light of the father. And he says, hey, don't you know if it's daylight, you can see you're not going to step in a hole, right? Well, if you're walking with the father and you're doing what the father leads you to do, don't you know it's going to work out all right? Thank you, Lord. Are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Now, what Jesus is saying, but I'm, I'm seeing the light of the world not just this world i'm seeing the light so we're not going to stumble right and he says but hey if you walk in the night you do stumble and um then he told him he said our friend lazarus sleeps but i go that i may wake him and they said hey if he sleeps he'll get well <laughs> and then he finally had to tell him look guys verse 14 lazarus is dead and i'm glad for your sakes that i wasn't there that you may believe, that you may believe. You see, do you think Jesus did anything out of the will of God? Can I tell you that, that signs from God and miracles and different things are that people may believe? you got a whole contingent of the church that teaches it only happened through Jesus to prove that he was Messiah. And I'm telling you that God has planned it for the whole church because every day there's a new person born that needs to believe. Every day there's a new person born that needs to believe. Every day there's a child born that God wants born again, saved and brought into the kingdom of God. And it's His will that these things attest the church, that, that, it, be, that it glorify the Father so that they may believe. Amen? All right. So, you know, verse 17, Jesus came, found they'd already been in the tomb. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two, many, about two miles away. Um, and this is where it gets interesting. Many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them. You ready? This is what the church does. This is the pity part. Ready? Y'all got them casseroles ready? Y'all ain't got them casseroles ready? Ain't nobody prayed for healing or raising from the dead, but 40 people brought a casserole. Isn't that wonderful? The church did so. I'm so proud of the church at the funeral. The women of the church got in there and brought fried chicken. There was fresh macaroni and cheese. It was just so beautiful. The only problem is you don't see Jesus doing any of that stuff, do you? Jesus didn't say, oh, they died. Let me go whip up a casserole. <laughs> Boys, we got to get a casserole. Let's head to Bethany. 
Now look, I'm not. I'm not saying that everybody. In it, we we do we do have the ministry of consoling people. Okay, we do have the ministry of bringing food to take care of people. Please don't hear me that way. But the point is, when that becomes the only ministry and the main ministry, we've missed it. So, will you do this for me now? Many of those Jews had joined around them to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, verse 20 is where it starts, if you will, to get interesting. You with me? All right. Verse 20. Now we're back on Martha. She is not the one that anointed him and wiped his feet with her hair and did this beautiful thing. Okay? But she's the one that did one thing. And it is the one thing. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's not really a faith statement. It's true. Thank you. But the next one is the faith statement. You ready? But even now I know. What did it say, John 15, 7? If you abide in me, my word abides in you. You shall ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done for you because it will glorify the Father. Even now I know that whatever you ask God. How could she say this about Jesus? Because he's a disciple, and John 15, 7 works for him. He's a disciple of the Father. What does that mean? A follower. And what did Jesus teach me? He said, the things I do are the things I see the Father do. The things I say are the things I hear the Father say. You can't be a better disciple than that. And so when Jesus asks, the Father delivers. She knows this. How many of you do people know this about you? Church. It glorifies the Father. That's what glorifies the Father. Is that they see that he answers your prayer. Come on, church. We're not looking for pity. We're looking for power. God's given power to the church, not pity. Amen? Amen? She said, Lord, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said, come on, you ready? Your brother will rise again. It's so hard to believe. She didn't believe it. And she said, what? I know. He'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But I want you to know something. How many of you don't have perfect faith, but you got faith? Let me tell you something. You don't have to have perfect faith. Don't let the devil lie to you. Because she didn't have perfect faith here, but she had faith. You know what Jesus did? He said, your faith is enough. And the Father said, your faith is enough. So she said, I know, he'll rise again in the resurrection. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you, and look at what he said now. Look at what he said now. Do you, Martha, believe this? What'd she say? Yes, Lord. Can I legally put it down that you believe I'm the resurrection and the life? 
Do you believe this? Seal it. Yes, Lord. Devil, what you going to do with that? The faith of one saint has just come through. Jesus said it. Well, actually, Paul, the Holy Spirit said, if God be for us, who can be against us? There ain't nobody else. Satan who? If God be for us, who could stand against us? All right, look at the rest of verse 28. When she said these things, she went her way. Then she called her sister, right? You seeing that? Now look at verse 32. Then Mary's turn come. Now we've seen Martha. You ready? Let me show you what pity does for you. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down on his feet saying to him, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Again, not a faith statement, but a true statement. You with me? Got to be careful in church. We've got a lot of true statements that aren't faith statements. Verse 33. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, what do you get from God when you weep? You get pity. If you're going to pity yourself, God's going to pity with you. You know the Bible even says, Jesus says, hey, weep with those who weep. The word of God says, weep with those who weep. How many, but I'm going I'm to challenge you. You don't want weeping. You want power. You don't want pity. You want power. Hmm? Right? So he, he saw her weeping. He saw them weeping. He groaned in his spirit. He was troubled. He said, where have you put him? And then verse 35, Jesus wept. They were weeping. What did he do? He wept. You want to why some people don't get relief? Some people, not everybody. Why some people don't get relief from God? They're weeping. God's weeping with you. He's weeping with me when I'm that way. But it doesn't move God. It's not legally going to move God. Right? It's not the plan that's in place to move the power of God towards me. Weeping doesn't do that. But God is sorry. Because Jesus did what the Father would do. Amen? Isn't he the image of the Father? Yeah. Jesus wept. And look, look what the religious church said. They loved it. Come on. You see the religious church in the next verse? Oh, look how he loved Lazarus. That is so moving. He came all this way, and look, he's crying too. Oh, that's beautiful. And you know what? Most folks, that's all they're ever going to get. If they want pity, they're going to get it. And then all the people around them will say, oh, look, they were so moved. They think that's God. They think that's God. Oh, it's so moving that God pities us. No, it's moving that God's given power. It's sad that the devil wins through pity. All right, so that's pretty much done, right? Then, look, some of them having a little glimpse, the Jews even, of a little faith have said this. 
Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? You know, they're kind of, they're kind of thinking like, you know, if he had been here, he could have done something. Now, three people have said this now. But the sad thing is, is only one of them has said, and I know even now, if you ask, God will raise him from the dead. That person's name is Martha. Now it shifts away from the weepers back to the one who had faith. You ready? Next thing it says, Jesus said, take away the stone. Who answered? Martha. She said, Lord, by this time there's a stench for he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, not to anybody else, not to the weepers, not to the sister that rubbed his feet with her, with her hair with oil. To her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Everybody else wanted pity. They've seen it. I've cried. But you asked for something else. And I asked you if you believed it. You said yes. How many of you are going to say yes? Did I not say to you, if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone... And Jesus lifted up his eyes. And look at what he said now in, in light of John 15, 7 that we've been talking about. Father, I thank you that you've heard me and I know that you always hear me. What do we read in John 15, 7? If you abide in me, my word abides with you. You shall ask what you shall desire and it shall be done for you. <laughs> Father, I thank you you heard me. Because I abide in you, and I know you abide in me. Man, I thank you that whatever I desire. Remember, spiritual things now, not diamond rings. Spiritual things. Things that glorify. A diamond ring is allowed to glorify you. You ask amiss. You have it not because you ask it's not God, and when you ask, you ask amiss. That's what it says in the Bible. Hmm? <laughs> didn't I say you would if you believe you'd see the glory of God Father I thank you you've heard me I know you always hear me verse 42 but because of the people who are standing by I said this out loud as a testimony to them so that they wouldn't stumble so that they'd understand how this works so that they would understand how this works with you Father so that they would understand a man anointed by the Holy Spirit can literally walk so close with you that when he speaks you respond and it glorifies you not him I said this that they may believe that you sent me how many preachers need people to believe they are sent all of them. How many of them do people actually believe they're sent? Not many of them. Because they specialize in pity and weddings and funerals. <laughs> now when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died, came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, Loose him and let him go. Amen. 
Amen? Amen. He was set free, wasn't he? Thank you. This is what you need to know. Luke 4, I think about verse 16, is really Jesus' mission statement, pretty much. Okay? And so if you, and I'm not, I'm not going to turn there, but you may want to, but Jesus really kind of told us why he came, you know? And one of the things that he said is, uh, I come to set captives free. I've come to set captives free. When and if the church ever loses the ministry of setting captives free, we have departed from Christ. Amen? You hear me? We have departed from Christ because he said, this is why I'm here, man, that the blind would see. That means the spiritually blind, but it's so powerful, it also manifests in the natural, right? And he's talking about spiritual captives, but it's so powerful that the thing that the people that Satan has made captive in the natural are set free. Because one thing we all have to understand is the spiritual power of God much or, or way overshadows the natural. And for a human, it's hard to understand that, right? Because all we know is that this piece of wood's holding me up. But what we don't know is it's the faith of God and His framework by His Spirit that makes it where the wood can hold you up. And if it wasn't for that, the wood would not hold you. And because that principle is true, what, is it, what does Hebrews 11 tell us? For by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So what that means is the Word of God is actually holding the wood that's holding me. So you understand that the Word of God is a higher principle than the wood that's holding me. So whatever the Word says, the wood will do. And if the Word says that the wood will do more than it's currently doing, it'll do it if I have faith in it. Let me say it again. It'll do it if I have faith in it. That's why He said, if, if you abide in me and my Word abides in you, you will ask whatever you desire, and it shall be done. Jesus said, Father, I know you hear me. I know you hear me. And realize now, you can do this study when you get home if you want to. To hear in Greek doesn't just mean to hear it like sound. It means to hear and hearken to. It means that God's heard you. In other words, not just that he heard you talking, but because he heard you, he was going to respond. See, in the Greek, that's kind of the same word, to hear and hearken to, Right? And you know you have scripture in other places that says, for we know that if God hears our prayers, we have them answered. Right? Amen? Amen. Amen. So what can we say then? As a church here, what can we seek? We can seek the power of God and not pity. And we can become deliverers, vessels, of the Spirit of God, which is the power of God, and not deliverers of pity. And we can teach those around us gently to move away from pity and move into the power of God. Now, remember, folks, you never pursue just power because power doesn't work. Power works because you love. 
If you don't have the love of God in you, the power is worthless. You can read about that in 1 Corinthians 13. The whole chapter is devoted to trying to have works without the love of God. Even if I speak of the, in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, it's just gibberish. It's just like a sounding brass. It doesn't mean anything. And it won't accomplish anything. Right? But if because you love God first, and if because you love God, you love his people second, you can request the gifts of the Spirit in your life. Now, that's all I have to say on that today. There's one other thing that I was supposed to say, and I will say this. In terms of tongues, this is what, this is what I should say about tongues. Um, there's obviously the gift of tongues, which requires, for it to be effective in the body of Christ, which re requires interpretation. Otherwise, nobody knows what you're saying. Right? But there's also prayer tongues. And that's between you and God. You know, it's your personal thing. But I want, I want, I want to say this because obviously Satan can counterfeit anything and does. And, and people... It, it, it's easy to get kind of ground up about like, all right, well, am I really praying in the spirit, or am I, am I, am I praying? You know, it, it could this just be the devil praying through me? And I want, I want, I want, I want to make this pretty simple because it really it is, guys. The devil don't have that much power. We get we get all kind of tweaked about, well, how do I know what I'm doing? It's simple. If your intent is to praise God in it and it brings peace, it's praying in tongues. Okay? Amen. The devil can't control your intent, folks. <laughs> I know you, you must think he's almost more powerful than God, but he's not. As a matter of fact, if you're in Christ, just born again in Christ, he's under your feet. So let's don't give him too much credit. I'm not saying he can't do this. Let's don't give him too much credit. If you intend it to be a blessing between you and God, and you do it and practice it and it brings peace, that's it. Amen? That's it. So continue in it, because anything you do in faith that's scriptural and it brings peace. Amen? It's a good thing. Be built up in your most holy faith. Jude 20, right? Be built up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Is God good? Yes. He is good. Okay. Let's, let's be dismissed. And, and if anybody wants prayer, we'll be here, okay? Father, we love you. We praise you. Lord, we just thank you for um, giving us an opportunity to be brought back into the house. Thank you for adopting us. And thank you that we were adopted and given a name and given rights and given an inheritance. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ that saved us, cleansed us from all unrighteousness. I thank you that your word says you're coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. But I thank you that that's been accomplished through Christ Jesus. And your church, as you see it, Lord God, is without spot or wrinkle because of the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Father, we praise you that you've covered us in Christ. We thank you that we reside in Christ. We thank you that all these blessings you've given us in Christ. And so we just say, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb for in him we've been saved. Worthy is the lamb for in him we've been saved. We've been set free. Father, I pray that as we go, I'm going to ask you this, Father. Do this for me. In Jesus' name, everybody that walks out of this place that's born again, change them. Change them today. Change me today. Bless me. Give me more grace to affect people. Give me. I ask you. I'm asking of you. It says, how much more? You've said, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? How much more will he give good things to those who ask? Father, I'm asking, give us the grace to go and affect the people. Fill us again, Father. Fill us again with your Spirit. Empower us with grace to go and affect those we we come in contact with. Let your light shine, Father, in us. In Jesus' name, amen.